Hello, and welcome to Geek Cinema Podcast, a podcast dedicated to geeky, nerdy, and fanboy or fangirl movies alike. My name is Everett, and welcome to Aliens. We did a podcast over Alien last October during our Terror from Outer Space uh, theme for October. So if you want to go back, you can check that out um, at geekcinemapod.com or on your podcast app. As you probably know, Alien Covenant is coming out soon, so we wanted to build up to it by watching the rest of the movies and doing podcasts over them. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to do the rest if you want to join us. So there are spoilers for Alien and Aliens, uh, both theatrical and director's cuts of both of those, as well as Terminator and Predator 2. There might be some other Alien stuff in there. I'm not sure if it is. It's minor, probably. Um, so this is fun. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it is 426, otherwise known as Alien Day, which was totally unplanned. Uh, we always try to get our podcasts released on Wednesdays, so that just happened to work out perfectly. No joke. Awesome. Well, enjoy the conversation. Uh, Seth, did you make your list? I did. Can I see it? No. I sent it to Everett. I don't know what the... Oh, hey, the, you can read yours. Okay. That's, I, that's why I wanted you to make one. Oh. By, or that's a, why I wanted you to bring it anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I brought I, it. <laughs> right. I, I, okay, so it's what you sent me. So every entry is the Emoji Movie. That's right. All right. Every single one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, that's kind of what we discussed during we, the, the podcast. podcast. That's what Kyle we, told me. Uh, he said you guys are making fun of me. Uh, I think it was it was either Kyle or Matt's that said that. So Seth didn't send us his list. So Seth, I'm gonna guess the emoji movie in get every five spot. Five points deducted. No, he gets the emoji movie in every spot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that he was playing the uh, double agent. He was pretending like you guys were the ones that started it. <laughs> oh, we all went along with it. And it was a good running joke. Uh, I'm not gonna win. Like, it's not even going to be that thing that happened last year where I was so close yet so far. Um, uh, I'll start with well, 13, which is even three of the wild cards, right? The third of the wild cards. Baywatch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then 12, Captain Underpants. 11, The Mummy. 10, Pirates of the Caribbean. 9, War of the Planet of the Apes. 8, Transformers. Seven, Dunkirk. Six, Alien Covenant. Uh, five, All Eyes on Me. Four, Despicable Me. Three, three, Wonder Woman. Two, Spider Man. And one, Guardians. Where's your a- weird anime entry? Because you had one of those last year. I know. No, my. Uh, what is All Eyes on Me? That's what? my. Uh, that's entry. your weird one? Okay. And, but All I right. put it far up, too. You did? Yeah. I've never. I don't, I even, don't heard, even know, know what that, what is. that is. It's, I haven't a, heard it. it's a movie about Tupac. Oh, oh, no one's going to go see that. I think a lot of people are going to go see it. I think actually a lot of people probably will go see it, but I don't think it's going to be a huge hit. Uh, Straight Out of Compton, we'll go see that. That's it. What? As many people that went to see Straight Out of Compton. Which was it. pretty, actually, it actually, that was reasonably successful. Yeah, it did so, really well. That's why I was like, you know what? That. I'm going to put I'm gonna put my, uh, right. my chances on that. Weird. All right. It's Tupac. Yeah, I'm over it. So, have you guys watched anything this week? You're like one of the only ones. I feel like I watched something, but I don't know for sure. You did. 
we watched a movie called uh well this is just a fun little thing if you ever have time on your hands and a group of friends who just want to laugh and make fun of something go on netflix and watch a a movie called pup star it's um (laughs) it was just a random thing me and kendall were hanging out with friends and we watched it and it was like pop star but meant to be the it's it's all dogs it's it's made by the people who made Airbud. apparently they now have a um a company a production company yeah they've been making like super buddies and yeah all sorts of shit it was it but it had the guy um from uh deadpool the that he was also in oh he he yeah um what's his name agent smith and deadpool and um he was in galaxy Galaxy yeah galaxy quest it exploded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was in it, and there's just some random names in there, <laughs> but it is just the most ridiculous thing if you just want a fun time. All right. But, yeah. Seth, you watch anything? Uh, we also watched your name. Yeah. That's what I saw. Well, you can't say it first. What? Why? Because first we need the song. Hey, hey, it's time for Geek Recommendation. Hey, hey, it's time for Geek Recommendation. Did that go exactly how you wanted? That was pretty good. Is that? Did that go exactly how you wanted? No, I was gonna. (laughs) I was gonna say I had a Geek Recommendation first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Because I haven't had a in a while. Um. Gigamendation is for the listeners if you haven't heard it in the past we've only had one is a smaller movie that I want to or we want to recommend for you to watch that's a geeky movie mm. and so Gigamendation Geek it's back hope you like the song um but yeah your name is a Japanese movie that came out um last year and it just got released in the states and it was Fantastic. playing. It was happened to be playing at our local theater, and uh, I decided to go see it. I saw it the day and before. Kindle I went and oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I paid five bucks for it. That's true. I was working that night. Mm. I win. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, great. Anyway, yeah, it was great. Uh, it's. I don't really know how to recommend it without spoiling anything. Okay. It's a It's good. fun drama Heartwarming. comedy uh fantasy yeah. movie. Yep. Uh the main storyline that it's going about I've seen before in a few movies, but they use it in a different way gotcha. than I've seen. Yeah, cuz that's what I well, I knew the um main storyline and that was it, which in my it, it it's really basic and so I was like Really, it it's that good, hmm. even though it's that. And then right. I watched the movie and I understood. But uh, I saw it subbed and you saw it dubbed. Oh yeah, um, it was amazing subbed. So and it, there were parts that I was like, man, th- this would be weird. What in English? He's got he's got to get on that high horse a little bit. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, I win. No. I saw it. No, I no. I, I, no, I Why is I that just... a win though? Like you experienced the movie in a lesser level because you chose to be stubborn. 
What? Lesser level. You had to read because you weren't fully focused on, you know, artwork. I've gotten used to it. Expression. And plus, like, I like, I like. Getting used to something doesn't mean it makes it better. I, I had to just tease you because I hear that all the time. Like, oh, well, if you're I watching, know, I you're watching not the dub version, you're like not the, a hardcore fan. I'm just like... The elitist. No, I, I'm not <laughs> like that. But I do think that you... It changes your experience of it, though. Like, For sure. Yeah, because yeah. I've noticed that with yeah with the dubs, it's you notice more of the artwork and the... Mm-hmm. Especially with animes because there's so much happening around. Yeah. With the reading, you... It, and like, well, it's there's like scenes, especially with that movie, like where they make a joke, um, on like formalities of like he, she type of pronoun mm-hmm. things that are only really applied to the way that Japanese people speak. So I was like, oh, I wonder how the the dub's gonna gonna use that. But um, I'm excited to see see it because I'll buy it, so I'll watch both versions. Right. But you know, I I honestly can't tell you like I can. A movie that I've I've ever watched where I feel like the I feel one way strongly the you know about like being subbed or dubbed I've watched mm. watched a few but like I've never felt one way or the other, um, but then again I'm not I'm not I'm not big on it like you are I will tell you that I tried to watch T- Attack on Titan in the uh, subbed format mm. and it just was so wordy I was like I feel like I'm like reading a fucking textbook that's how I was at first because I watched I watched that dubbed first and I was like I don't think I could ever watch the sub after, after and then a later day, on yeah. I watched it subbed and yeah. it's better I, after a long day I was just like no like I, I want to turn my brain off like, <laughs> yeah you know what I mean yeah um, so yeah I uh can no, you go ahead and just, just tear it down. <laughs> Let's just rip that bandaid off. I was off. trying to, but then you started talking again. So, oh wait, I have to play the song again. Bing, bing, bang, bang. Oh, that's not it. <laughs> bing, bing, bang. Hey, hey, it's time for geek commendation. Hey, hey, it's time for geek commendation. You know, you could have just added I that in after. Me something, guys. Well, that's not as fun. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I will tell you. Uh, I will tell you what I watched this week. I only watched. I watched a bunch of documentaries and like behind the scenes stuff. Uh, stuff. I've been on vacation, so like, I got to break out my box sets with all the special features and like dig into stuff, uh, which is something I love to do in my free time. Other than that, I've watched mostly like Golden Girls and Tales from the Crypt and Unsolved Mysteries. It's been a really weird vacation, but it's been nice. The one movie I did watch. Um, is one of my childhood favorites. We may do it sometime. Uh, it's definitely. I would definitely say it was a geek commendation. But we'll talk. We'll talk about it maybe sometime. But it's called House, and it's from 1986. Um, it's. It was one of the first, like my first horror finds. Like I, when I go and like pick something out, I was like, okay, I've never even heard of this. I don't know what it. Like it was just a picture of a house. Uh, yeah, a picture of just a house on a box and just said house. Um, but it was a cool box because it looked like a house. Mm-hmm. Like it was a VHS box. It was shaped like a house. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll try this. And it's a one of the weirdest haunted house movies. It's kind of a comedy. Uh, it's, it's on the level of like killer clowns. Like it's kind of like one of those so bad, it's so good uh, things. But the practical effect work puppets and things like that in it are just watching it on a blu-ray disc like and seeing all the detail that was in those uh 
those effects is just amazing like it's crazy because this was such a low budget film but like obviously all the effects were was where the money went Mm -hmm. house yeah house i've watched house Right, like I will tell you that anytime I ever mention house, that's what people are like. Hey, I've seen that. And be like, no, no, you really haven't. (laughs) Like, but they did four of them, right? They did like, but one and two. So they've one, which is a story about a writer who's kind of like a prototypical Stephen King kind of guy. Um, and then you have uh, House Two, which is gets weird and is like a sci-fi film. And then you have three, which turns into a hardcore uh, exploitation film. And then you have four that connects one and two together and establishes that three happened at the house next door to the house. It's a really weird franchise. Let's watch the first one and then move on. Yeah, I I, I would just watch the first. Like, honestly, (laughs) just watch the first one. If you like sci-fi, the second one's a lot like Labyrinth. It feels like Labyrinth or Dark Crystal. Like, if you like those films, you'd like the second one. Well, now I want to watch the second one. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, that's, that's all I got I'm going to play the week. song again. Bing, bing, bang, bang. I did it again. Oh, no. <laughs> I got to fix that. Recommend me something, guys. One of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> Every time I had to hear my voice, though, before, bing, bing, bang, bang, that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I've fine. got Seth's uh, message things that I got taken out of the podcast over time. Oh. <laughs> like my bing, message tones. Hey, you know, I've never played them. Why not? Bing, bing, bang, bang. That's one. <laughs> Don't know where. You like to repeat it over and over. That's the other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bing, bing, bang. I don't oh, know. Wait. I don't have any sound. He has no sound. Hold on. Bing, bing, bang, bang. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hope yep. you enjoyed those. That's L- cool. Little tidbit on my personal life. Yep, that's mm. fun. We're about to get into one of my favorite films. Oh, oh yeah. Go. Uh, we're continuing our uh, Alien series. Because <laughs> oh. we, we we did Alien as the last movie in our month of horror, October. Mm. For uh, what do Alien? We call it? Uh, Terror from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. That's what. It and now we're trying to try build up, build up to the new one. Isn't Alien next Covenant. Week? No, no, it's four weeks away. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, I don't know. Had you ever seen before this past year? Had you ever you hadn't seen any of these? Had you? I'd seen Prometheus and part about half of the first Alien vs Predator, which I don't think we'll have time to do those. Which lots of people don't consider them canon anyway. So, but they are canon. Is it sanctioned by James Cameron and uh, Ridley Scott? I canon? actually think I think Ridley Scott accepts the first one, but not the second one. Interesting, but. Either way. Um, but yeah, that's all I'd seen was just right. one and a half films. Uh, so what about you, Seth? I just saw, I I had seen Prometheus and I had no idea what was going on. Kendall? I've probably seen all of these movies at one point in my life. That doesn't mean I remember them or right. take value. I get that. So Aliens, I saw Aliens before I saw Alien. Mm-hmm. I was young. I was like maybe six, something like that. Staying with my friend Mike, 
got to go to the video store, pick out anything we wanted, and went through all the aisles and saw the VHS cover. Do you like write a daily journal or like what the hell? Why do you really, remember this stuff? I have a really weird memory. Like I can I can mm-hmm. remember the smallest details and then other things that are major. Like pfft, God knows where they go. <laughs> um. But I remember we we went down all the aisles in Blockbuster, and the cover art for the VHS box art uh, was just like, it was just a blue alien face, and it said aliens, and it just looked creepy and nasty, and I was like, that's what we need to watch. Like, we need to watch that, because we were determined we were going to, we were going to, like, watch something that was going to scare us, uh, because we were also, it was the first night we were staying in this garage fort apartment that his dad had built mm-hmm. and it was obviously detached from the house like it was uh the garage was out back separate building and had a glass window so you like you'd sometimes like you'd catch shit flying by and it was it was kind of weird anyway and we were like we're gonna watch a movie and just get just stay up all night and uh and aliens is what we chose to do it with and the whole i will tell you like you don't see an alien really until about 45 minutes into this film but we were we were drinking mountain dew and we were really hyper and like anything that suddenly moved we were like did you see the alien like <laughs> like two stupid kids do um but yeah and this this like this is where my love this is my favorite franchise like this is where it all comes from you come to my house and like you find a, there's so much random alien shit I, like you wouldn't believe like I have a closet full of nothing but like alien and predator like memorabilia and figures and stuff. I I am beyond excited to do this with you guys. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up too fast. <laughs> right. Why? Because the negative Nancy's sitting over here. Uh, hey, you know what? That's all part of the fun, and um, and we got to figure out. We have to we have to talk about where we're going after this because. Far away. Because this was an interesting this was an interesting sequel because Fox had licensed out the alien rights to an Italian company and they made at the time what was the sanctioned sequel called Alien 2 on Earth and it was all about an alien that came back that comes uh, comes back or falls from space. It either comes back with Ripley or falls from space. I don't know. I haven't watched it. I'm saving it so we can all watch it together and experience what the fuck together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they had done that, and that was kind of it. And the whole reason behind that was because Ridley, Ridley wanted to do a sequel, and every idea he threw at the studio, they didn't like. And then every idea the studio threw at him, he didn't like. So eventually, after going back and forth, for like a year or two, they just threw up their hands and both parties walked away from the franchise. And something interesting with his, like, Ridley's now back with the franchise, but for the longest time, whenever he was questioned on how he felt about Aliens, you know, in the sequel, because Alien 3 hadn't come out, but, like, people wanted interviews with Ridley, like, what did you think? Because it's so different than yours. He hated it. Oh, man. He hated it, and he was like, Jim, James Cameron does not know what he's doing, blah, 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 like, oh, he hated it. Wow. Of course, now his opinions changed. Like, I, I don't know. I read in interviews something along the lines of like, as we grow older, we grow mellow, more mellow, and we learn to appreciate things that were inspired by us. Hmm. And I was kind of like, okay, well, whatever. But for the longest time, Aliens 
And I still, you know, I go back and forth between the first one and this one as my favorite. They're so different, but I don't know. I guess I hold them both equal, like in terms of like which is my favorite. Before we get into the film, let's talk. I wanted to talk about the production a little bit. Okay. There's this amazing four-hour documentary on the Blu-ray set, and I watched the whole thing oh, this wow. week. And like, <laughs> I have detailed files. Um, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna read every single one. But apparently, this movie was uh, the only thing James Cameron got from the sequel. Which, whenever he uh, he approached the producers about doing something uh he was approaching them about his own ideas because terminator terminator had just finished and he was looking for more work as you do they hated everything he had they hated every original idea he had and then as he was leaving uh he was like don't you guys own the like the story rights to alien like i would like to do a sequel about that and they're like you know what okay we'll give you a shot at it you write a script for us and the one the one thing he was given is that it had to be Ripley and Marines. Huh. Go. And he over over the course of doing Terminator, there was a point where Arnold Schwarzenegger was in contract with the guy making Conan that he had to come back and do a sequel. So they ripped Arnold Schwarzenegger out of Terminator for like nine months. And they couldn't do any ADR. They like the film was shot and they just needed to go back and do like his voiceover work. Not that there's a lot of it in the movie, but they needed mm-hmm. to do that. So the film was on hold due to that. So Cameron wrote the script. Um, and he wrote a few different ideas, or a few different things, and the producers, uh, Guyler and Hill, did not go for it. Uh, so he went back one final time after Terminator had come out and was a success, and they said, for sure, that we want you to do this. And he took a script he had called Mother, and he rewrote it. And in Mother, uh, essentially, the whole story was already there. Like, there was a Ripley character. There was a Newt character. They weren't called Ripley and Newt, but they were characters. Like, they had the motherly relationship. There was a big bad at the end, which was the queen, which ended up being the queen. And the whole fight between the queen and the power loader was in that script. Hmm. Um, it was just meant to be more of a more of an alien kind of thing like it wasn't aliens per se you know what i mean interesting so all those ideas were there and he just he kind of just ripped that script apart and dropped in these characters and added some of the marines and bam we have aliens so they gave him the green light and when they gave him the green light uh, the release date was set in stone meaning you can't break this it has to be you have like you have nine months make this film and the studio wanted to do it as a horror film even though it was Ripley Marines, they wanted a horror film. Okay. Right? Like, how can you how can you do that? Eventually, after a lot of convincing uh, and whatnot, they turned their cheek. But if you look at the original like teaser trailer for Aliens, it's very much feels like Alien, huh. uh, which is interesting. Uh, they had to fight the studio to get Sigourney Weaver back. The first one wasn't a huge success, but it made the studio a lot of money. All the actors worked for pennies besides like John Hurt. And she demanded, she was like, I'll come back and I'll do it, but I want a million dollars. I was not even kidding. Like, I want a million dollars and I'll do it. And she wasn't a huge name at the time either. Like, she was, she was rising, her star was rising. But the deal was, is that uh, James Cameron, like, the studio laughed and told James Cameron to do a version without Ripley. 
And he was like, no, like either Ripley's there or I walk. <laughs> you told me to write her in. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so they approved it and the, the budget went from 17.5 million up to 18.5 million dollars. <laughs> Uh, to accommodate Sigourney Weaver. It's just crazy to think about that low of a number versus movies today and how good this movie looks. Right. Because those sets are immaculate. Oh, man. They are immaculate. Yeah. Like, I, I have I have notes on, like, all the sets. It's so interesting, too. Like, especially, like, say, the queen puppet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what we see in the movie, um, most of, like, when you see the full deal, uh, whenever it's in the room with Ripley's known as the hero puppet, which I'm sure you're familiar with that term. Uh, somewhat. Okay. So a hero puppet is this, the, the best looking perfect on screen. Like you can look at it from any angle and it looks fantastic. That is the hero puppet you see. And at the time it was the largest puppet to date, uh, functional and everything uh, until Jurassic park came along. Hmm. It was over, it was like over 19 feet tall Good by the Lord. time you measure like, like the head and everything we had. So we had all the drama with the studio and Ripley or uh, Sigourney Weaver and Ripley had some drama with James Cameron because she wanted her character. Her character needed to be cleaned up. Like he wrote her essentially. I don't know if you know this. James Cameron wrote the script for Rambo two. Okay. Know that. So he wrote Sigourney Weaver in this film more like Rambo than Ripley. Mm-hmm. And so she had to go back with him and like, listen, you need to, you need to make these changes here and here because he had her almost being more like a typical Marine, Mm -hmm. like right there neck and neck with the troops, not hung back like she was in the film. Uh, She was more gung ho to go and take care of things, but Sigourney Weaver herself was very anti-gun and still is. Uh, so she was like, I feel like Ripley should be that way too, because Ripley's an extension of me and da 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 da, and had a lot of conversations, and it was a whole, um, whole ordeal getting her to even fire like the pulse rifle at the end of the film, or anywhere. You you mentioned the sets, the exteriors. That's all. That's all models. Like that's all like four <laughs> foot tall model work, highly detailed model work. And funny enough, a lot of the stuff. So they, they were at Pinewood Studios, and whenever a set would be destroyed, they would pull out all the like all the pieces, and they would burn it in the back lot. <laughs> well, that model, all, all those exteriors and model work came from pieces that were burned up from other sets. Huh. Because they were trying to cut corners as much as possible, um, and that was one way they could do it. They were like, we'll just rip pieces here and there, and like the only some of the only things created for this film in terms of the set was like you know, where it says like bar that was made for this film, but all the exterior, whenever you first see Hadley's hope was all pieces of other things. And another thing about the set. So, and this is really cool. And this goes back to something we've talked about Batman, right? Mm-hmm. So this film was shot at, um, it was a power plant. I forget the name of it, but, uh, I wrote it down, but it doesn't matter. So it was shot at Pinewood studios uh, like all the interior stuff, right? And uh, some of the some of the exteriors were in there too. But then they went to this power plant, which is now a famous set and has been used for many movies since. It, had, it was covered in like asbestos and also or all sorts of other crap. But Cameron liked the grid flooring, uh, so they cleaned it out. They spent way too much money cleaning it out, um, and they built the hive. So the entire hive set is in this power plant, right? 
after they finished with this film, they left it all standing. And the next film to use that power plant was Batman. Really? Yeah. And when like they a, went in like Axis? Yeah. That's huh. that's Axis. And you can see it like whenever uh whenever you see uh I think it's Joker running down the stairs uh-huh. and he turns the corner, like that's the same that that is exactly what Ripley walks by when she comes out of the elevator at the end of the film. Huh. And when they went in to build the Batman set, the hive was still standing. Like That's awesome. Immaculate. So that's some of the some of some of my rambling. Let's let's get on and we'll eventually get into more. I wanted to bring up that this time watching it cuz last in October we wanted to the three of us one or at least me and Seth wanted to be prepared for the alien verse or what for a the alien podcast by being a little more versed in the universe and so we watched alien aliens and alien 3 and we watched the director's cut yes last time and this time we watched the theatrical so i could so we could be aware of what what the differences are mm. and i think not aware i prefer the director's cut I prefer the director's cut. I definitely cut. prefer the director's cut. And part of the reason, like, the the relationship between Newt and Ripley kind of comes out of left field. Why she's so protective of this Right, because they girl. don't mention her daughter. Exactly. Yeah. But in the in the director's cut, there's this whole subplot about her daughter who, she, you know, has passed away. She never, sh- like, sh- she made a promise to show up at her birthday. Mm-hmm. Never did. Um and funny enough, the photo they use of her daughter is actually Sigourney Weaver's mom. So it looks like oh. it's kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like they look related. And there's eventually like Ripley tells Newt of the ever daughter passing. And mm. like you understand the bond way more. And it gives more more weight to it. Yeah. And then another scene that I don't remember seeing in this one was uh, when some of the people from the settlement come Discover. across. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was really cool, and I was like, "Where is when that I realized scene? that I wasn't in there, I was like, what? Yeah, so that's Newt's family. Yeah, That's Newt's family. Yeah, yeah Newt's yeah. family goes, and they yeah. they were the ones who got uh, sent out on, sent out to look at the coordinates that Burke had sent. Mm. And in that scene, whenever they pull up and they see the derelict ship from the first film, they're like, it's actually the same model. They found the guy who bought the model uh, because they could like nobody while you sh- when you sh- when they shot the film. Right. Nobody took pictures of the fucking model. There was concept drawings, but nobody had an actual shot of like what it looked like this way, like sideways up top view, like all around so they could recast it. Right. So they had to track down a guy who bought it from an auction and he kept it in immaculate condition and they reused that model for the film uh for that shot specifically and the family goes in of course and they explore and they find that you don't see him find an alien mm-hmm. but the mom comes back in a panic and the most terrifying thing happens like little girl looks down and her dad's got a face hugger and she's screaming like mm-hmm. it's terrifying yeah and it gives you it shows you what Newt went through like she was she was her family was patient zero mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's how long she survived and i put timeline together too because i was curious i was just this was something i didn't know um i was curious how long it took for the queen to come around 
Mm-hmm. The timeline I came up, I figured out was like Ripley's found on May 16th. And if you look on the screen, you can like uh, whenever they flash it, uh, her log report, uh, whenever she's in the conference, you'll see that date. July, June 12th is when she was discharged from the hospital. So that's when they actually had the meeting because it was her first day. And that's whenever Burke sends out the coordinates to Hadley's Hope to go check it out. So then with a week later, the family goes, finds it, finds mm-hmm. the derelict ship. And then it takes literally, it takes five weeks for, they're in hypersleep for three weeks, but it takes Ripley two weeks to agree to go to, um, on the mission, right? Mm-hmm. After them hassling her. But it essentially takes five weeks for a queen to come about and form an entire hive and take take down an entire civilization. Wow. Yeah. So you don't want those things on Earth? No. No, you don't. I was going to say, but even with the extended cut or the director's cut here, it could still be canon, whereas with the alien extended or extended what's the the official it's, they call it name? a director's cut but uh, it's really an extended cut it that one to me can't be canon it cannot because the things that ripley sees in that she would react differently in this movie right and well and specifically the the egg forming scene where dallas is slowly transforming mm-hmm. into an egg yeah the initial uh ending of that film was Ripley was going to be murdered at the end and then the alien was going to hop into the driver's seat of the ship and talk like Ripley and sound like Ripley and go back to Earth. That's what Ridley Scott wanted to do. Like all of a sudden it was going to develop voice patterns like, I don't think so. Huh. Yeah. Thank God it didn't end like that, right? Yeah. That would have been comical. Um, Another scene from the uh, director's cut that was removed... Uh, was the sentry guns. There was a big uh, there was a big to-do about the sentry guns, like Hicks pulling them from the APC to set up around the med labs. Oh, yeah. And uh, you, yeah, see, I noticed that. you see the sentry guns versus the I was kind of waiting xenomorphs. for it to happen, and it never came in like, oh. It was such a big action set piece, but the studio made him cut it. Like They were like, this has to be under two hours. It cannot be. Huh. They didn't figure audiences were patient enough and it was hard enough to get more than an hour and a half film on screen. I think that kind of adds a intensity to the movie with those because you see the bullets running out on those. And it then, does, yeah. And they have to start coming through. And that's something else. Like whenever, uh, whenever James Cameron was making this film, he knew, he was like, we've seen the alien and we've seen what it can do to you up close. We've seen that that horror and the gore like this isn't going to be that like we know what that looks like what is what is the terror and suspense side look like so that's why there's not so much focus on gore as there is just like what you said like the bullets counting down like that suspense and that just sense of dread Mm -hmm. like we're fucked (laughs) i'm sure you guys noticed that the xenomorphs were okay so actually this film calls them xenomorphs right Mm -hmm. and uh it's the first time it's ever happened, in the films anyway. And people were baffled by that term, but that's actually, like, that's a real, legit term for just something that's alien to you. Hmm. Um, but we see a different breed, or a different design of xenomorph. 
Yeah, they had like a ribbed head rather than the shiny smooth one. Right. Um, so the deal is with that is that aliens, depending on their location and proximity to the queen, evolve in different ways. These are more rigid. There's two reasons for this, but uh, the story reason is that they are more rigid due to be due to being like the first and last line of defense for the queen. They have to be tougher. They have to be stronger. Um, so they're more rigid and tough all around. The behind the scenes version of that is that the original alien suit was so uh, fragile that whenever the effects team recreated it, like James Cameron was like, okay, like I want you to run into that wall. I want you like talking to the guy wearing the suit. I want you to run into that wall and I want to see what happens because this isn't going to be a ballet. And the guy does and the shoot, suit breaks apart. Hmm. And he's like, okay, get rid of the dome because that had a huge crack in it. And he's like, we need this more durable. Like it needs to be a different kind of rubber or something. Um, and they're like, well, how do we make it? Like, how, how do we make it sleek and, uh, and more durable? Because like, that's kind of, it's, at the time they couldn't figure out how. So he was like, make it more rigid. Do your own thing with it. Like take the dome off, make it look meaner. <laughs> and so they did. And now we have the warrior, uh, breed of the aliens and speaking of design this is one of the only films uh that has an alien design that wasn't done by hr giger and that's the queen james cameron came up with that himself hmm. the whole look of wow. the queen. yeah pretty impressive considering like it blends in so well and like mm. has become kind of like a uh, very much an iconic image for for the franchise and everything something about the aliens themselves and the suits while they all looked fantastic there was actually only really six full alien costumes and you see them you see all six of them whenever they're crawling on the ceiling right Uh that's the only time you see all six of them what they would do and you can't pick it out because like he knew how to he knew how to shoot these things it was incredible like some of the stuff he pulled off but they made about a dozen uh, black spandex suits with just like pieces of the ribbed uh, alien on them. Like they would, one of the guys would put on the head and then it would have random uh, rigid pieces on it to catch highlights. And whenever, specifically like if you look, whenever uh, Ripley's in the hive at the end of the film, she's coming towards the queen and you see that one come out of the smoke. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the spandex suits. But you can't tell it. Like it looks fantastic as it is they were also made so that uh the dancers they hired to perform as the aliens could jump like they as if they were crawling on the walls and jumping like from the wall into that elevator whenever uh hicks and ripley are in it Hmm. so there's a lot of a lot of trickery going on in this like in this film yeah and not only that i was interested one of the earlier parts is actually actually earliest part when she's in the escape pod and i was thinking they would have had to watch that movie unless they just had this thing lying unless fox just had this thing lying around no uh, they, they would have had to watch that movie and recreate all these little mm-hmm. teensy bits that i'm seeing after just watching alien the night before and they did and it, they even got the gun at the bottom of the door hmm. her spear gun that she shot yeah the you alien. pointed that yeah, yeah i pointed out to seth yeah uh they even got that little detail wow yeah he was uh Cameron's a great director because he's very 
he's very OCD. Like he has a vision and like he spent two weeks trying to find the perfect sound for the pulse rifle. Hmm. He wasn't happy with the like choice of screws on the power loader and made them redesign part of the power loader just because of the screws. Oh. Oh. Yeah, like this guy is crazy hyper detailed and he pushes his crew like he he wants perfection. And one of the big issues that was on that existed on this film was that James Cameron is an American, Gail Hurd was his wife and she was the producer on this film with him. And uh Nobody took her seriously. Like, oh, you're just the wife. You're just getting, you know what I mean? Like, you're just getting a producer credit just because. But really, she did a fantastic job and was often the, uh, the I guess, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? The media- mediator between James Cameron and the British crew because the British crew had a lot of, uh, uh, they had, they essentially took tea time. They took tea time every two to three hours. And no matter what you were doing, whenever the cart, the tea time cart rolled in because it was at Pinewood Studios and Pinewood <laughs> would provide them with the with tea and all that. Um, whenever it rolled in, like even if they were in the middle of shooting a scene, the crew would stop. Good God. Oh man, he got so mad. He like, and there's part of it, like if you watch this documentary, you can see part of it where he has, he he starts to blow up at the crew. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like the, hmm. uh, it was one of the really more dramatic scenes in the med lab whenever Ripley and Newt are in there and they're dealing with the face huggers. Super dramatic. There's rain pouring and the crew just gets up and rushes for the tea cart. And he about lost his shit. Wow. Um, that would have been me. He's very... He yeah. Rushing to the tea. Intense. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, like, and there was a... He fired, he fired the initial uh, director of photography because he wanted... The director of photography wanted to shoot it and light it like a movie. But James Cameron didn't want that. He wanted it to look like all the light in the film, specifically the hive, was all coming from the shoulder lamps of the Marines. Hmm. And the guy was like, I'm not doing that. Like, that that doesn't work. That's You're not going to be able to capture that on film. It's going to look total trash and blah, blah, blah. And Cameron was like, see ya. <laughs> like, goodbye. Yeah, he knows <laughs> what he wants. He does I guess know there's it. a reason he has the two highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah, um, but the crew, the crew saw him. Not only that, like as soon as, as soon as the crew were hired and came onto this, and learned actually what they were making because they didn't know. A lot of times back in the studio, they were back in back in those days. The studio was just like hiring. You know, they would just hire a random crew or find the best crew, hire them. Wouldn't tell them the project. Be like, okay, this is what you're building. This is what you're doing. And when they found out it was aliens, they were like, who's the director? And when they found out it wasn't Ridley Scott, they were like, this guy's going to ruin it. Like, we don't trust him. He's young and dumb, blah, blah, blah. And Terminator just came out. And James Cameron did everything but essentially go up and put a gun to somebody's head and say, come watch my movie. Um, because he had tried to, he would try to show them the Terminator and say, hey, like, take me seriously. I know what I'm doing. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge. They, didn't, they just thought he was a stupid kid. Wow. There was just all kinds of clashes with the crew, even the cast. Uh, like there was a, you wouldn't think there'd be a language barrier between like British English and American English, but mm-hmm. but there is. And for instance, uh, one of the one of the crew members refi- referred to the actors as artists, 
And Lance Hendrickson turned to him and said, if you say that one more time, I'm going to knock your fucking teeth out. <laughs> what? <laughs> because they thought he was being made fun of. And eventually, like, you know, they learn a little bit. It's like, okay, like, no, that's just what we call you. And <laughs> things kind of calmed down. But there was a lot of, this was a really, like, uh, this, this was, a, this set was ready to just blow at any time. Like, it was very, uh, very intense. So, yeah. Uh, and, it's it's amazing and especially the, what's the most amazing part about this movie is the music because the composer was supposed to have eight weeks to do the music mm-hmm. right <clears throat> that got cut down to six weeks and they're like they flew him over uh his name's like his name's james horner um they flew him over so he could be close to production and james mm-hmm. cameron of course wanted to analyze everything he was doing yeah and they cut his time down to three weeks oh my god and it got to the point to where they were uh, that final music cue, which is played is like the icon, most iconic piece of music from the Alien films. Uh, you know, like with the uh, it sounds like steel clanging, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know, what I'm talking about, mm. um, and just that kind of like hero finale music. Um, it got to the point where that was literally written the night before the film had to be turned in to be pressed onto actual like reels to be sent out to theaters. Wow. Uh, yeah. And Jeez. they were like, like Cameron was like, if you don't do it, like if you can't handle this, we'll get somebody that will. And he, the composer was just like, do it. I would love to, f- I would love to learn from that guy. Like find him, please. <laughs> um, and, and like eventually James Cameron stormed off one way. He, the composer stormed off another way and things kind of calmed down and, and he brought him um, back for a Titanic. He did, so. but it took a it took a long time because that guy, the composer, was going to do another one of Cameron's films. I, I don't remember what it was, maybe True Lies or something. <laughs> but he was going to do another one of Cameron's films, but he turned him down. Uh, the composer turned Cameron down. He's like, "No, you're you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> Why would I want to work with you again? I learned my lesson." Uh, but. They had they apparently met up before Titanic and was and Cameron was like, Listen, I saw Braveheart, like you did an amazing job with that film. I would I would really love for you to have a go at this. Hmm. And that's how Titanic came to be. Dang. Yeah. Going back to a little bit about the creatures, um and just the puppeteering work. Cause there's actually a lot of puppets in this film. There's a newt puppet that Rip Sigourney Weaver carries around all at the end of the film. That's gross. Weird. Well, yeah, because I mean, she's carrying Newt. She can't carry a human being around for hours on end. Oh break yeah, her back. Yeah, yeah. I, this is just a fun little note. But if you look closely at the chestburster in this film, it's got little arms, and that was a slight redesign because he, James Cameron, felt like it looked a little bit too larva-like in the initial film. Hmm. And something else, something that's really cool that I think Everett you'll enjoy is that the hardest effect effect of this film was getting the face hugger to walk when it's oh, yeah. in in med lab and it comes at him uh they couldn't figure out how in the world to do it and they ended up shooting like they sh- they shoot it forwards they shoot it walking once right forwards and that's normal like as if you were normally shooting and then they shot uh, they shot him pulling a puppet back from one of the tables in reverse so they could put those two together and they did the same trick 
whenever it latches on Ripley. Hmm. So like the film goes forward, reverse, forward, and then reverse. And you don't even know like it's seamless in this film. That's amazing. It is amazing. And he would figure out all these things. Like nobody knew how to do what Cameron was doing as he was making this thing. And when he was doing it, people were just like, You're fucking crazy. Uh like this is not gonna work. And it works. Like it works beautifully. I assume you like the film. I love the film. So does it where does it rank for you? Uh I think I prefer Alien. And maybe that strings on one thing which isn't a bad thing at all because it's a sci-fi film so sure but i did notice watching it again it does require the disbelief to be suspended quite a bit further <laughs> than the first movie yes yes it does because i i made some bullets we get a queen alien mm-hmm. that rides an elevator mm-hmm. we do right uh then she sneaks into the the plane thing right through the right in the, the landing uh, gear. Landing gear. Uh, and then Ripley can escape the vacuum of space, but the queen <laughs> alien cannot. Yeah, that that one I... Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does require a little bit of disbelief, um, yeah. for sure. Uh, but I still love the movie completely. Yeah, I, it's my, uh, I like it more than Alien, although I, I do really like Alien. Um but I didn't like the third one. Maybe that'll change when we watch it again. But I didn't like it. Like it wasn't even like, oh, it's okay. Kind of film. I just didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Kendall, what did you think? I don't think I like any of these. Really? We'll see when we get to the fourth. I think, yeah. yeah. The fourth is fun. Because uh, the first was kind of boring to me. Didn't it's care. A slow film. Didn't care at all. Uh, this was so cheese and I know just no no and no what got you about cheese was it the was it all the of the Marines, Marines? every one of them <laughs> um, the coward guy couldn't deal with him Burke um, I think I only know Ripley from the fourth movie so this is weird for me which Ripley for them yeah okay all right because I feel like that's the one I watched the most because I think my mom watched that one a lot um, speaking of Burke uh, so you had all these Marines, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd like to go through the Marines with you guys, just see what you thought about them, if any stood out. But <laughs> Burke, uh, Burke was often mistaken for a crew member, and they'd be like, "Dude, you're in the fucking shot," <laughs> because funny. he was in normal clothes. Yeah. He's wearing that vest. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, he looks like he's going out fishing. <laughs> he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Uh, one thing I, I, I noticed I'm in the movie. Watching this I'm again, supposed to be here. <laughs> I noticed that he keeps calling her kiddo, and I'm like, she's decades older than you, dude. She's a yeah, hundred years old. Yeah. Like, yeah, I th- I liked it. it. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um. Did anybody else expect Bishop to go rogue over Burke? First time through. I don't remember. remember. Okay. This is back in October. I didn't think Bishop was going to. I don't. I don't think I'd expect it to happen again. Yeah, Bishop's one of my favorite parts of this movie. I really like that. Yeah. I, I I feel like I've seen it. In You've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah, but yeah. You no, know, he, he's a great. That yeah. just hit that performance alone was really really great. They had the hardest time figuring out how to introduce, uh, figuring out how to introduce Bishop. Wasn't his introduction different in the directors too? Mm-mm. I felt like. It was still the knife. Well, 
in the directors, I don't remember seeing him coming out of the 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 sleeper cells with them. Mm-hmm. And I did see him in this one doing that. You might you might be right about that. Yeah, he might. I not think be he's shown. already awake in the directors, and I think it seemed like it was they were trying to to surprise you again with him yeah. in this one, whereas. James Cameron didn't want to do that. Which, those pods, right? I mean, the first ones are hydraulic and cost thousands of dollars to make. Mm-hmm. These were on strings. <laughs> they just had people in the rafters pulling strings up at the same time, <laughs> right? Uh, and not only that, there's a mirror at the end to make it look like there's 12 pods instead of six, but there's actually only six sitting there. And if you huh. look closely, you can see it. That's amazing. Um, like, I always look and I try and figure it out and like, Whenever we watched it uh, this past time, it was one of the few times I was like, okay, like your TV's big enough that I can figure it out. Um, but Bishop, they had the hardest time figuring out how to introduce him. And like literally as a last ditch effort, and it became one of the most memorable things about the film was like James Cameron was like, listen, like I used to do this thing with my friends when I was a kid and we'd hold somebody's hand down and we'd oh. stab a knife around their hand and scare the living shit out of them. And he's like, that's how we're going to introduce your character. And it was just kind of a throwaway thing. Hmm. But now it's like one of those, yeah. And Lance Henriksen, uh, he bought like a dozen different knives. He over-prepared for this movie. He bought like a dozen different knives. He's like, which one do you want to use? Like, I've practiced with them all. <laughs> uh, because as it gets going, granted, they speed up the film to 36 frames per second um, whenever it starts going really fast. Mm. But... Lance Henriksen could do it incredibly fast because he he would spend weeks trying and like uh, they had to put makeup on his hands because he had stab marks. Oh my god! <laughs> right? Um, but he over prepared and he did this. He did this before he was going to be the Terminator. I don't know if you guys know that. Mm-hmm. Before wow. they found Arnold. Wow. Um, he would have been better. I don't know. I don't think so. I, not for what, the, not for what, mm. yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different discussion. But so he, he got into contact making, I guess you could say, because he came in with the red eyes and that was where James Cameron got the idea for the Terminator to have the red eye, the single red eye, like at the end of the film. Mm. And in this film, he's like, oh, he's like, I can reuse that idea. And he came up with this idea for Bishop to have two pupils, like, in one eye. And it looked like he had eights in his eye. It looked really fucking silly and kind of kind of unsettling <laughs> creepy, settling creepy. Um, and they're like, no, like, take those fucking things out. Take those fucking things out now. Um but yeah, uh, he was—he's one of the most—he's one of my favorite parts about this movie. Uh, and that actor stuck with me for a long time. And I know I was talking about House earlier. Well, he's the star of House Three. Uh, this and it was one of the only films that he did between Alien, uh, Aliens, and Alien Three was House Three. And uh, yeah, hmm. funny enough. So we got all the Marines, right? And I mean, like, we got like Sergeant Apone who's the guy, you know, loud guy in charge. And I could rattle off every one of his lines. Because, the cigar. Yeah. He, as he, he munches, wakes up with he, cigar. he wakes up with his cigar that, and he munches it hilarious. down. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I thought he was pretty cool. And then we have like, we have like frost who you don't really get to know, but we have Pharaoh who was the dropship pilot. Oh yeah. Who looked like Lady Gaga. 
That's Lady Gaga. That's not who that is. That is Lady Gaga. Kendall was like, "That's Lady Gaga," and like, don't lie to me, guys. I know that's her. It looked like it, like her. Um, you had some you didn't really get to know, like Dietrich, who is apparently still alive, and Spunk Meyer. But like the ones that really stand out, obviously, are Hicks, Hudson, and Vasquez. Um, Vasquez, which Vasquez was originally written as a guy. That's Hmm. funny. And then not funny. And then they cast, uh, I i don't know her name, but they you probably got it in front of you. Yeah, Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah. Goldstein. Uh, as Vasquez, because she was she initially came in to do the uh, the dropship, dropship pilot, but she, they felt she was too tough to do it. Hmm. So like, read for this role, and bam, Vasquez became uh, a girl. A, a girl, yeah. And of course you have Hicks, which is the lead character and Hicks has an interesting story because you guys have seen Dexter maybe? No. 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 Well, there's an actor and I can't tell you any, I mean like he was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but I, you know, like I can't tell you really anything else that he's been in, but his name was uh, James Remar and he was actually Hicks for two weeks. They shot two weeks worth of film uh, and they had to go back and he had a really bad he was dealing with drugs and alcohol uh, addiction <laughs> and fighting that, and they fired him because like he couldn't get his shit together. Mm. And they called Michael B. and it was like, "Hey, is your passport or- order?" And he's like, "Yeah, why?" And he's like, "We're gonna fly you to London, and you're gonna play Hicks." And he's like, "Okay, like whatever." <laughs> and he had just worked with, um, he just worked with Cameron on Terminator. Because he's Reese in the original Terminator film. Mm-hmm. And that's something else. It's interesting, right? So, like, Hut, uh, the guy who plays Hudson was also in Terminator. I need to watch those movies again. It's been a long time. He was not only in Terminator, but he's in Predator too. Bill Paxton has fought the Terminator, Alien, and Predator. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been murdered by all three. <laughs> um. And uh, Vasquez, uh, Jeanette, she was in Terminator 2 as yeah, the stepmom. So, uh, so I thought that was interesting. Like, every, There's a lot of crossover with Cameron's films. She also went on, uh, Jeanette went on to be in Titanic as well. Who was Very she? small part. I she was Irish mommy. Oh, no, yeah. see, I remember her. You see her for like a split <laughs> second with like her child character. as they yeah. are trying to get off the ship. Good um, movie. Good Smart character. Move. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look, so if you look closely in this film, and this is a really cool shot, uh, you guys remember when they went into the hive for the first time and you see the camera pull down from the ceiling and you see like the cocooning on the wall and the Marines are standing there looking at it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Two things. One, that's actually not Hicks standing in that shot. That's James Remar. It's the only shot of the film that still exists with him in it. But. That whole thing is a weird effect. So the cocooning was like right up by the camera. The Marines were about 12 to 13 feet back. And then about 20 feet back from them was the bottom part of the set. And it's this weird optical illusion because they couldn't afford to build a huge set, but they're like, we'll build models and we'll, We'll do foreground. We'll use the foreground and the background and put the Marines in somewhere in the center and be able to make it look like they're actually genuinely there looking looking at this thing. Weird. 
It's really, really, really weird. And they showed it like if the camera had just tilted just the slightest degree, it ruined the entire effect. I need to get more in tune with cameras because that blows my mind with like focusing and whatnot. Right. I thought you'd find that interesting. I was like, holy shit. Cause like, and I watched that scene again and I can't, I can't figure out where one stops and the other starts. <laughs> it's just, it's perfect. Do I have any other notes? Carrie Hinn, the girl who played Newt, right? Mm-hmm. Adorable. She was adorable. And she favorite character. She, she's kind of like, uh, she's kind of like the little girl in Logan. If she hadn't have been on point, the movie would not have worked. Mm-hmm. Mm. Same with nice guys. Yeah. They got so desperate to find an actor. They went all over the world looking for an actress to play this role. They got so de- desperate. They were going to local schools and pulling kids who were involved in the drama program or who had might been involved in like a play mm. and auditioning them at school. That's how desperate the search for Newt got. And this little girl, Carrie Han, had not been in anything, but she had this, all these kids would would come up and they would do their lines, right? But then they'd smile at the end. They'd, they'd do the line where like Newt says they're dead. Like, can I go now? And they would smile at the end. And they're like, that's not, that's not right at all. Like you don't They're have- dead. Exactly. Did I do it? Kind of like Did a commercial, yeah. He, um, I got it right. But Carrie Hinn didn't do that, and they felt like there was a certain level of darkness to her that would be perfect for this role. That girl went on to. Uh, she didn't do anything. Serial killer. <laughs> she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything after this. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, because she does. She does. She portrays the. I mean, she kind of has PTSD in a way. This whole film is kind of about PT, like Ripley. Yeah, we, we get that with Ripley. Yeah. Which we get a lot of change with Ripley because, I mean, I guess because of James's writing her as a, a hard ass character. Right. But we also get that uh, that sense a lot in it with the PTSD. Yeah. Well, the, and part of that comes from um, this was meant to be, and if you know and you look at it, it's very obvious. This was meant to be a commentary on the Vietnam War. Oh, okay. Here we are. We are Americans and we are the ultimate badass and we're going to go in with all of our high tech shit and we're going to kill you all. Actually, no, we're not because we don't know what we're doing and we're severely underprepared. But the Marines were a commentary on that. And then Ripley was the commentary on like what happens to these people when they come back from war mm-hmm. and they have PTSD. Yeah, um, I think, but yeah, I think I like deep, uh, <laughs> some of them. It, I, I, I felt, and maybe I'm getting my memory mixed up, but I feel like Hudson was more redeemable in the director's cut. He was. There was a few more extra scenes with him. Actually, he's. Uh, uh, I have. I actually have it written down. Uh, Hudson was uh, the first to kind of figure out that there had to be a queen. It wasn't Bishop in the original. Uh, okay. Or it wasn't Bishop, uh, like it was in this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember. In the watching it the first time, I'm thinking, okay, this guy's annoying. And yeah. Bill Paxton does great. Uh, he was a fantastic <laughs> actor. Yeah. For this, he, he was perfect. That was like I could not agree more. Um, and funny enough, like he met James Cameron as a set dresser on Terminator, and the guy who was going to play the 
lead punk got sick or something and they've had Bill Paxton fill in. Hmm. Um, but that's how he met James Cameron. Like he was just dressing sets and it was like, Hey, like you look all right. Why don't you come here and do this? And like, you have an interesting voice. Like, and that's why that's part of the reason why Bill Paxton got this part is because he has a voice that just sticks out like a sore thumb. Like there's nobody <laughs> that sounds like Bill Paxton. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Stop your grinning. Drop your linen. <laughs> yeah. Something interesting about this film, uh, and I don't know if you caught it, but we are introduced to the alien just as we are in the first film. We see the entire life cycle in order because we see the face huggers mm-hmm. uh, in the like the tubes, and then we see the first chest burster from the lady who's cocooned on the wall. Uh, and then we see the xenomorph, like, and then eventually we see the queen. Hmm. What about the eggs? You know, you're right. We didn't see an egg. Wouldn't we have seen the uh, chest burster first? You see an open egg. You don't see an actual chest burster. Oh, okay. It never bursts out. Yeah. yeah. You see the illusion of one. Right, right. But yeah, so you see, you see like the life cycle. It's kind of cool. That is cool. And I actually didn't pick up on that until we watched it this time because I was just, we watch movies like with now with this. I think about them differently. So yeah, and it's in, an interesting thing. I watching uh, Alien first right after seeing Prometheus, uh, and with a fuzzy memory of Prometheus because I hadn't seen it since like 2014. I still haven't. But watching Alien last year, I was thinking that the eggs were just manufactured. Oh. Oh, interesting. And then seeing this, uh, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, they're not created by the designers. Which, I mean, like, in the first film, my it's always been my interpretation that somewhere the engineers had a farming facility, essentially, where mm. they would have queens set up and they would, they would steal the eggs after they were... Um, after they were created and then they would put them on the ship as a warship (laughs) and then they would drop them i mean that's always been my intention my my personal opinion that doesn't mean anything because we're now getting these prequel films that's going to eventually probably flesh that out Mm -hmm. i really really liked how you never you never really felt like anybody was safe i don't know if you guys did but like I never felt like any, I mean, obviously there's not many people that are safe, but like, I never felt like any of them were safe. The uh, the characters. I didn't care. You didn't care. I cared enough, but I was just like, anybody can die. Like I never expected Hudson to die. Like my Mm -hmm. first time watching it, I can even remember saying like, okay, Hudson will survive. Ripley will survive. And that'll be it. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know what part I figured it out. I guess when, Hicks is showing her how the gun works. I think at that point I was probably like, okay, he's going to probably go on at yeah. the end. Which there's a scene in the, uh, there's this really kind of charming scene in the director's cut where they formally introduce themselves to one another. Hmm. Like exchange first names. I don't remember that. Yeah. I do like I, I I did notice uh, watching it again though he has that beautiful shotgun line where he says I like to keep this for close encounters, which yeah. is a nod. <laughs> well, it's an odd to Terminator because yeah. that was the gun that he used. That was the exact shotgun he used in Terminator. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. 
I yeah, I just uh Ay ay ay. There's so she much just made fun of you. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so there's I, so much in this film. So I said ay ay ay. Um just a little time. The power loader, right? What's that? Here's uh that was what Ripley fought the queen in. Oh, the right? big slow thing. Which that whole ending uh that whole ending is cut together so interesting. Like it goes between puppet to model to physical actors being there, right? And how they got the power loader working was that somebody would pilot it, as you would see in the film, but they built an entire compartment to where a stuntman would get inside. And the stuntman inside and the person on top would have to coordinate their movements to lift it and move it. So there was somebody standing in the entire fight of like the end of the film. There's somebody behind Sigourney Weaver motioning with her to help lift this thing. Yeah, that part blows me away. Yeah. I mean, it, the the only time I can ever like see that we go into a something different, and it's only if you really look for it, is whenever the power loader falls down into that uh, chamber, mm-hmm. the airlock chamber. But other than that, like I, I can never tell when we switch... There's parts where like the queen is just simply like a torso, uh, like especially and especially when she's coming through like the uh, the hallways, she's just a torso, uh, and there's like a huge like big like wire rig and whatnot just to the side, just out of frame. If the like if the camera moved just a certain way, you would you would see it. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's just it's amazing, and I mean this film has gone on to have such a legacy. It's it's just not celebrating its, or no, last year was its 30th anniversary. Yeah. Jeez, it's that old. It is that old, but it's such a landmark film. Like, it's, it's like the first one, but it's, you know, it's, but it's a completely different film, but it's one of these films that have just, there's, I don't know. I've not heard of any, a single person, take away Kindle, does not like this film or does not, or is not at least entertained by it. I probably won't watch it again unless he makes me. Right. But I want to get to the fourth. Right. Well, you're gonna really we're, we're gonna have an interesting time with the next one. Oh boy, I have to watch the third one again. Well, yeah. You might like it better. You might like it better. I fell asleep, I'm so it'll the, be like uh, the first time print. for me. Yeah, the work print is very different. Because I really fell asleep last time. Uh, like most of the movie. Now here's a question. Do we want to do the third one next or do we want to do Alien 2? Cuz we should we should put Alien 2 somewhere in here. Then I guess we should we should do it last. And do it last? Okay. Yeah. I'm ready to watch Prometheus again. Yeah. All right, sweethearts. Uh tell me your favorite scene. None. Um, um I think my favorite scene is just that whole sequence when Ripley goes and rescues newt do you remember when bishop says we have 26 minutes yes it's actually 26 minutes from there to the end of the film really yeah this is fantastic because in my mind like part of me was thinking but was it really like it actually it, that cause from I'm there like, to geez. the end of the film yes now th- that means you get the whole like kind of epilogue with ripley and yeah newt and where they go from from there mm. have you guys heard of the so there's an alien film that may be made by the guy who did Chappie yes 
I wanted to talk about that on the next podcast. Oh, okay. All right. Or Cause it we'll takes talk about probably on Covenant. We'll talk about it. Okay. Because it takes off from this film. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to tell you about it. What? Mm-hmm. We'll get there. <laughs> oh. You'll oh like boy. it. Don't worry. Anybody it's an alien movie? He doesn't know yet. Just hush. It's an inexistent movie. Yeah, for now. You said your favorite scene, the new yeah. New uh, so you see the queen for the first time, and you know the cuteness of her rescuing Newt, and then mm. Mm. so pretty cute. Yeah. Did they ever show you what happens to Burke? So he gets actually. That's something I wanted to touch on. I didn't. I rambled. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he, they t- in the theatrical cut and the director's cut, you see him come face to face with an alien, right? And bam, you automatically assume he died. There's actually a deleted scene where. As Ripley is going, she comes out of the elevator, she goes and twists down a hallway, and it's before she actually reaches the queen. Her hand reaches out and grabs her, and it's Burke. And he's got one in him. He's already he's already been face hugged and he's got one in him. He's like, Help me, da 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 and she gives him she gives him a grenade and she's and she like says something like, figure it out and walks off. That's Damn. awesome. They didn't do that for two reasons. One, because it doesn't make sense for a face hugger to be on and off him so quick. Mm-hmm. Two, it makes Ripley look like a hardcore bitch. No, it made her look like a badass. Maybe, but... Uh, like, it didn't... What is she supposed to do? When they assembled this, When they assembled this thing, you actually initially had that scene in there. And Cameron was the one who picked up on the inconsistencies of the life cycle. But somebody, like one of the Sigourney Weaver, and I think it was maybe uh, Michael Bean, the guy who played Hicks, came up and was like, that's almost a little too harsh. Like, no. We that feel like that's out of character for Ripley. Yeah, yeah. Which, for this for this version of Ripley, yes. Next week's version of Ripley, no. Like, there you go. I feel like I will like her the more you watch it, but I don't really care for her in the beginning. I love Sigourney Weaver. I do too, but I prefer a hard ass. Yeah, I get that. I have way too many favorite scenes in this movie. Do you have one, Everett? I was going to say when he dies, because I don't like him, but I guess you don't see him die. No. Just kind of assume. When everyone else dies. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha ha. Death everywhere. I like the scene where uh, where Bishop and uh, Ripley have their nice moment. How about when he's like, ripped apart? Not so bad for a robot. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, he says not, not so, so bad, bad for, for a human. human. Yeah. yeah. I like that. A human. Yeah. Interesting about the androids is that they can't. Uh, there was a scene with. There was a scene with uh, Bishop encountering a xenomorph as he crawls down that tunnel. And it would, like, l- like jump. It In the scene, it's described. It's never been seen, but jumps, like, right in front of him. And Bishop just stands still, doesn't react to it. And the alien gets bored and walks away. Because it's not human. Because it's not human. I was wondering about that watching this. Yeah. Because he never I encounters like, I wonder one. if one came up there if it would do anything. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't. they rea- can sense. It doesn't react to it. They can sense what, what they're facing and it doesn't react to androids. So androids are its weakness. So all you have to do is send an army of androids. You could. Okay, so we solved the problem. Right. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Get all the battle droids in. Right. They first have to make battle droids. Oh, right, right. Because right now all they have is intelligence. Mm. The only problem is Wayland wants the aliens and they own the androids. 
Yeah. Which there was a nice scene cut out of the out of the theatrical cut that was in the director's cut, which was uh Ripley questioning Burke's motives like way early on. Hmm. Just kind of like figuring it like already kind of had it figured out and knew it was gonna happen but went anyway. I don't remember that. I think probably my favorite my favorite scene is when Ripley kind of, you see her kind of shift and become like this badass and it's whenever she she takes the control from Gorman of the APC mm-hmm. and just rams it in there to save the troops. Oh yeah, that was a cool scene. That was that was awesome. Which they built the APC. That's an actual physical vehicle. Um, it only s- could seat two people, and they built like a fake sliding door in it, huh. and it would slide, and you could fit three humans in there, and that's why if you watch the movie, whenever they slide it open and the- everybody jumps out, there's only three people that jump out, and then it cuts really quick. But it was an airplane towing vehicle that had those huge wheels. Like those huge wheels actually existed on it. A lot of these, uh, a lot of the bigger sets were actually actually came from uh, airplane junkyards. They they were switching over to like a new model of 747, and they were getting rid of so much that the lead set and production designer went and tore a lot of these things down. Uh, that's how you ended up with the. Uh, but like the cryo chambers looking like they do. And if you look behind them, like there's this huge machine that you assume is running that cryo chamber. It's actually half of a helicopter engine. But there's pieces like that all over the place. They just, like I said, like they cut corners so much to save money on this movie because it had, they paid for everything. The budget would have been about $70 million. Hmm. Yeah. But doing the way they did it, like, I mean, that just shows like, if you have a little bit of creativity, you can, you can really do anything. You ready, guys? Mm. Yeah. What? We're gonna put our minds together. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, we already solved the problem. We're gonna make the make make the next big make the next aliens. Oh, yes. We're gonna make the next aliens. Not aliens, but the next aliens film. You like know, level movie. Cheap, good uh. movie. We got four creative minds here. Okay. All right. Mm. Can make the robots fall in love. That's a good idea. This is not an anime. Yeah, it is. It is now. (laughs) (laughs) Get to work, sweethearts. There's something else they cut out. On the director's cut, there's this awesome line that, uh, a rant that Hudson has about being like the ultimate badass, and it goes on (laughs) for way too long. Uh, for everybody else, but it's so entertaining to watch. That's something I miss from the extended cut. Hmm. You know, sad. This year we lost John Hurt from Alien and Bill Paxton from Aliens. Who's John Hurt? Uh, he was the first to die in Alien. Well, he was the first to mm. die. He's been in a lot of stuff. He was in 1984. I've heard of it. Hellboy. He was in the Harry Potter movies. Yes. Played Ollivander. Mm, I love Ollivander. He's dead now. I'm gonna die whenever Ripley dies. Like it's gonna, or Sigourney Weaver dies. Oh, she'll probably live forever. I hope so. They're gonna like find that like frozen head stuff. She's <laughs> totally gonna do that. They did this. Uh, Stephen Colbert did this skit uh, the other day, and it was like, it was a spoof on this. And they had Sigourney Weaver dress up just like she is in Aliens, and she comes in. And she's like, I got one of them inside of me. And she's like talking to the worst customer service rep ever <laughs> at the Whaley Utani Med Station. <laughs> and it's Stephen Colbert. And it's go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. That's not funny. I need to watch it. 
She still looks fantastic. I would go if they put her in a Hello. movie, an alien movie. I would I'm be there Sigourney to watch it. I'm Sigourney Weaver. Finding Dory. Oh, haven't seen it. Well, Sigourney Weaver's in it. She is. I may have to go watch it now. I'll watch anything with her. You can buy it. It's on Netflix. It is on Netflix, but we have it on Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray. I'm gonna have that on Blu-ray tomorrow. What's that? All the land. Oh. I was like, what are you pointing at? That's a calendar with Marvel characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that. That. I'm going to have that. <laughs> We're going to have that on Blu-ray. <laughs> on Blu-ray. On Blu-ray. I took some pictures and yeah. put them into a, like a nice little Slide video show. for him. Put it on Blu-ray. You definitely ruined me with Blu-rays, though. You're welcome. I'm sorry. I'll never be able to watch a DVD again. I just want you to experience movies the way movies should be experienced. The problem, the only thing with Blu-ray is, is that sometimes they take these movies, these 80s trash film. Yeah. And they clean them up so pristine. It's like, <laughs> it looks too perfect. I shouldn't And there's see that. too many wires showing. Like, there's I don't the watch store. too many movies like that, though. You I might. Do. I, I do. don't. I can't deal with you it. You might? I was really worried. Might? That <laughs> I was really worried what? that. Oh, I thought you were talking about Matt. He might. Matt. I was like, might? <laughs> 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 Hey everybody, thanks once again for listening to Geek Cinema Podcast. I hope you liked it. If you did, subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast app. And join us next week for Alien 3. We'll have a good time and talk about it and whatnot. Uh, What else? Uh, Social media. Check us out online. Uh, We're pretty easy to find. Facebook.com slash Geek Cinema Pod. Twitter.com slash Geek Cinema Pod. And on Instagram at Geek Cinema and we have a website, geeksinemapod.com. You can come say hello. And we'll see you guys next week. Bada bing, bada boom. Woo!